Hey, it's great to be with you this morning. Thanks for coming out on uh, this June Sunday morning. We're starting a new series, as Steve said, called Sticky Stories. All summer long, we're going to be looking at different stories from the Old Testament, taking a break because we've been in Acts, the New Testament, but uh, all summer long in the Old Testament, uh, looking at stories that you might know. If you grew up around church, if you grew up around Sunday school or VBS, there's a really good chance you're very familiar with these stories. The lessons, they kind of stick with you. They go through life, but uh, be encouraged, even if you're new to all of this. Maybe you didn't grow up around church or the Bible or faith or anything. We're going to look at some well-known stories in the Bible that have a lot of application for our lives even today. Lessons about life and courage and faith and where our hope comes from. And uh, it's going to be a fun summer for us. This is kind of a a unique thing that we do here at Genesis. As you know, we have two campuses, but our teaching team's going to move around all summer. And so I'm teaching here today. We're going to be looking at the story of Moses and the burning bush. And then I'm going to go to Carmel next week, and I'm going to teach this same message there. Jerry Neville, our Carmel campus pastor, is preaching from Genesis 3 today in Carmel. He's going to come here next week. And so we're going to do that all summer long where we just go back and forth between campuses. So I just let you know that because if you do switch campuses once in a while, you could end up in a place where you hear the same message depending on the weeks that you're there. Or if you go on vacation and you go looking online, just be mindful. You'll figure it out. We record both of our services now. And so you can figure out, okay, I've already seen that message or I want to watch that message, whatever. But also as a fun element, we are, um, we're taking these stickers. We've made a sticker for every week of the series. And so these will be available after the service today out in the lobby. Uh, Maybe you're thinking to yourself, I'm not really much of a sticker guy, Paul, you know, or uh, much of a sticker person. That's fine. Me neither. But uh, maybe you are, and maybe you'll pick one of these up and you can throw it on your water bottle or something. There'll be 12 of these by the end of the summer. And who knows, maybe God wants to use it in your life uh, in some special way. So we're going to start here uh, today. Let me pray, though, as we continue. Uh, God in heaven, we thank you for who you are, uh, for your great love for us. Uh, We thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior and our friend. Uh, We thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us as followers of Jesus, that we know that we never have to walk through life, anything alone. We thank you for uh, the mission that you've put in in front of our lives, especially as we've been thinking about the book of Acts, as Jesus challenged us to go into all of the world, to make disciples, and that your power and your presence will be with us in all that we do. And so thank you for how you're living out that mission through our church and uh, through these individuals, through these families. God, we trust and believe you are here with us today. And you've brought each person into this room for a very particular reason. And so would you use this time now in this space to speak into our lives, open up our hearts, our minds, our ears, all of these things, Lord, so that we can have a special encounter with you today that you will do what only you can do. And I pray that my words... um, My thoughts, Lord, would be pleasing to you today, would come from you, and so speak through me this morning. You're my rock and my redeemer. You are our savior and friend. And uh, we offer this time to you now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you got a Bible, uh, turn to Exodus chapter three. Old Testament, second book, Genesis Exodus. Exodus chapter 3 is where we're going to be, and um, we're going to spend some time there in those first few verses. Jenny and I have a friend hiking the Camino de Santiago, also known as the Way of St. James this summer. It's a uh, 500-mile walk that begins in the south of France, uh, crosses the Pyrenees Mountains, and then continues through the northwestern part of Spain. I was looking this past week, something like over 400 
100,000 people hiked the Camino in 2022. Why do they do it? Well, some just love the adventure. It's seeing the new sights, the new experiences. Others do it as a test of will, pushing their bodies to the absolute max. Others do it, go in search of a, a spiritual experience that they hope to have, something that will change their lives and change them forever. It was created around the 10th century. Uh, it became a major pilgrimage, the Camino did, uh, an experience for those who desired a deeper faith uh, in time with God. And so for hundreds of years now, people have set out on the trail, not only hoping to finish it, but again, also hoping to have this special encounter with God. Now, some of you adventure seekers might be, be thinking to yourself, hey, sign me up, right? I'm, I'm all about that. I'm up for that 500-mile journey. Others of you are like, 500 miles in the wilderness? Show me the pictures, right? Uh, I'll just watch the video. But um, uh, no matter your opinion of something like this, no matter your opinion of the Camino, I, I think we can all agree on this today. Life is full enough of adventures, right? Uh, wilderness experiences that, that come into our lives and sometimes by surprise, right? I mean, isn't that true? Like sometimes we go into the wilderness voluntarily, we call it camping, you know, you, you go on a camping trip, you go, you go hiking, you, you spend some time, you get outdoors. Other times, life circumstances take us into the wilderness. How does it do that? Well, pain. <clears throat> pain has a way of forcing us into the wilderness. Uh, tragedy can barge into your life with little to no notice, and all of a sudden you realize, I, I'm in this wilderness of my own. A, a loss of job, something like a, a cancer diagnosis, a crisis of faith, like any of these things can force us into our own personal wilderness experience. And, and sometimes the wilderness for us isn't so much a one-time thing, but maybe it's just a, a series of events, or maybe it's just the normal routine and drag of life, especially if you hate your job right now, if you're in a place or a job that you just feel burnout or you're struggling or it doesn't seem to go anywhere, it kind of feels like the wilderness. If you have a daily commute uh, that never ends, that can feel a little bit like the wilderness. If it's a struggling marriage or a broken relationship with a formerly close friend, some of you today have aging parents. And if you do, you know that pressure of not only trying to manage your own life, but also to, to care for some people that are very important to you. And so it's lonely. There's lots of pressure with it. Maybe you're, you're single and praying and trusting and hoping and waiting that God might bring somebody special into your life, a, a young couple that's trying everything they can to get pregnant. It could be your kids, right? I mean, you know, uh, you worry about your kids when they're young, but from what I also hear, you worry about them. You worry about them just as much, if not more, when, when they get older. Some of you have kids in your life right now, and they're not making good choices, you know, not walking with the Lord, uh, questioning just about anything, everything, even things like their own identity. Maybe your, your loneliness feels a lot like the wilderness, your anxiety, fear, bitterness. The wilderness comes into our lives in all sorts of shapes and sizes in every single one of us. We all go through it at some point or another, and maybe you're in one right now, and you just desperately want and desire to hear from God. Maybe you're looking for some kind of proof, just this reminder that he's there, that he's listening, that he's even paying attention to what you've got going on. You just need a reminder that he loves you. It could be a prayer that you've been praying and you've been praying that prayer forever. It's a, a miracle that you're holding out for. It could be that you just, it's been so long since you feel like you've heard from him. You've had an encounter of your own that is special and memorable and just reminds you that he's there, that that you can keep going. Like we all want to hear from God. 
I, I think that's true of most of us. Like even if you don't consider yourself a spiritual person, even if you haven't spent a lot of time around faith or church or whatever, I think all of us are looking for more. Like there's a desire in us that there has to be something more and we'd like to know a little bit more about it or a little bit more about him. Moses spent time in the wilderness, all right? And that's where we're gonna look today. But let me rephrase that. Moses spent most of his life in the wilderness, two rounds to be exact. Round one lasted 40 years. That's 14,600 days. And from what we can tell, a lot of that time was alone, not from hearing God. But it's not just Moses either. I mean, really the story of the entire Bible from beginning to end are people, stories and encounters of people, these experiences, time in the wilderness. People like Abraham and Hagar, the, the people of Israel, David, the Apostle Paul, who we've been studying about in the book of Acts, and even Jesus spent time in the wilderness. The Bible is full of example after example of men and women who spent significant time in the wilderness. And why? Well, to begin, there's a lot of wilderness in Israel. You go to Israel, there's a lot of wilderness there, and certainly in the Middle East. But at the same time, we often see on the pages of Scripture the wilderness being utilized like a training ground of sorts, a place where people are working out life circumstances and their faith, and most importantly, the place where people encounter God in even deeper, more meaningful ways. The Hebrew word, there's a Hebrew word for wilderness. It's just this. It's the word midbar. Uh, it's a word that means wilderness or desert. But interestingly, this word midbar derives from another Hebrew word. That word is debar, and it's a word that means to speak. Translated that the wilderness is a place where God speaks, that he can speak, and that he will use it and it's a place that God uses frequently not just in the scriptures but today and in our lives as well that God used the wilderness in Moses life as a training ground Moses went into it he learned a lot about himself and about God and most importantly and when the time was just right he heard from God in a powerful way and it changed it radically changed his life for other forever Here, here's what I want you to know today if you're in a wilderness sort of experience in your life right now God can use it too that he can use this season that you're in. He can use this journey you're in. If you feel lost right now, if you, you feel like that uh, you, you're not hearing from him and you don't know what to do next and you're trying to seek these answers or you're looking for some comfort or some from healing from God, he, he, he wants to use this time. He can share with you. He can comfort you. He can offer you wisdom because the wilderness teaches us a lot about ourselves and our faith. Moses said this to the people of Israel as they were getting ready to leave the wilderness. Now, even 40 more years later, uh, in, Roman, or in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, he said to them, he says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. Why did he do it? To humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart. I was reading somebody this past week that said that God already knows what's in my heart, and so often the wilderness in my life is so that I might better get in touch with my heart and know what's in it, whether or not you and I will keep his commands. And so trust me, God doesn't allow us to go into the wilderness to ruin us. He's not playing games with our lives. He leads us there to refine us, to shape us, to heal us. We learn a lot about him. We learn a lot about ourselves. And as we'll see in this brief look at Moses, he will and can speak to us. God wants to speak to you. God desires to have a relationship with you where you hear from him 
and he hears regularly for you. And what I'm praying is that maybe this morning is just his preparation in your life and my life to get even more of that. But an important question that we've got to consider is just this. Are we ready to listen? Because so often the problem, well, the problem isn't that God doesn't have a speaking problem. It's that I have a listening problem. And maybe you do too. And maybe that's part of what God wants to begin in us today. So Exodus chapter 3, again, if you grew up around Sunday school or VBS or something, you know Moses' story. It's a sticky one. It's one that we don't forget. Uh, Quickly, kind of the review of the first part of his life. By the time we get to Exodus chapter 3, Moses is pretty lucky to be alive because at the time of his birth, the Israelites, his people, also known as the Hebrews, were living as slaves in Egypt. And to make matters worse, the Pharaoh or the leader of Egypt at the time ordered that all baby boys, all of the Hebrew babies, boys were to be murdered. But thankfully, through God's protection, as well as the faith and courage of Moses' mother and sister, Moses survived. And in this cool twist of fate, Moses was adopted by a woman from Pharaoh's family. And so for those reasons, Moses escaped growing up in slavery and instead grew up in Pharaoh's palace. But somewhere along the way, he discovered that he wasn't like the Egyptians. He wasn't a, a, a biological part of Pharaoh's family, but that indeed the Hebrews were his people. And his people People, the Hebrews were living outside of the palace and doing the cruelty and brutal work of a slave. One day Moses was out amongst the people and watched as an Egyptian slave master beat a Hebrew worker. And this enraged Moses. A fight broke out and out of anger, Moses killed the Egyptian. And in fear of being found out by the Pharaoh, Moses fled Egypt. He escaped into the wilderness to a place called Midian. And then Moses basically goes into hiding in the wilderness for the next four 40 years and to pass the time and to provide for himself, he became a shepherd. What a contrast when you think about it, that he grew up in royalty in the palace and he's now going to spend the next 40 years of his life tending sheep in the wilderness. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. We read, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his feather-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now this is a picture of the the Sinai wilderness. And many scholars believe that it was in this neighborhood that Moses spent these 40 years around this place called Mount Horeb, which is also sometimes known as Mount Sinai, where Moses will later have this very special and unique encounter with God. But for 40 years, Moses has been living this quiet, mundane, difficult life, tending sheep in one of the most unforgiving places in the world. But now it's time for God to break his silence. And truthfully, that's just what God does sometimes, that he comes to us without even notice. He, he speaks to us. He tries to get our attention when we're just going through the normal, everyday routine of life. Pay attention. All right, pay attention to maybe what God might want to do in your life these next 24 hours or even this next few days. Like he, he might do that. He might come to you. He might desire to speak to you on your commute to work tomorrow morning or while you're out on a walk. Like God can speak to you when you finally get that little one down for a nap, you know, and you've got some time finally to yourself. Students, God has so much to say to you and he wants to speak into your lives. If we'll set aside our phones and, and just spend some time, some intentional quiet time with him, God is willing and is able to step into the ordinary everyday moments of our lives and speak and that's what he's doing for Moses here verse 2 
We read there, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames from a fire within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. And so Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. What's the strange sight? Why the bush doesn't burn up. And so notice here, something amazing happens for Moses. Like on a day that looked like every other day, ordinary day, he's out walking along, tending his flock when all of a sudden he discovers that there is a bush on fire. Now, while unusual, not impossible. Here's why. I was in Israel back in 2017. We spent several days as a part of our tour in the wilderness, learning about the wilderness. And one of our guides was a former Israeli military officer who specialized in wilderness training, wilderness survival. He talked about how dry the wilderness gets, so dry that a plant, even something like a bush, can turn electrostatic. And that if the conditions are just right, and if it's just dry enough, and if the wind is blowing, even the slightest amount of friction can cause something like a bush to be engulfed in flames. And so maybe Moses had seen something like this before. It wasn't the first time, but notice what the text says again if you've got your Bibles open. Moses wasn't so much surprised that the bush was burning. He was surprised by the fact that the bush wasn't burning up, which raises an interesting question. How long do you have to look at a burning bush before you realize it's not burning up. I mean, how long do you have to stare? How long do you have to wait and pause and slow down before you realize that the bush isn't burning up? What a reminder for us that God can use surprise events in our lives, a conversation with a friend, an experience here in a worship service on a Sunday morning, a, a light bulb moment, or maybe a circumstances that causes you to tell a story that says, you'll never believe what happened to me today. God can do anything. He can use anything. And the question is, do we notice? Will I notice? Will we slow down long enough to allow him to do what he needs to do to say the things that he needs to say? And about this whole burning bush thing, as you can imagine, there's a lot of commentary out there and a lot of opinion uh, on the events of the bush. Some note how it's the angel of the Lord that's talking as can, as can be drawn from the way the text is written. Uh, Tara Lee Cobble, founder of the Bible Recap Podcast, suggests that this is a theophany. It's, uh, or more specifically, a unique uh, appearance even by Jesus in this moment, speaking through the bush, regardless, God's behind it. All right, this is the Lord that's working, and he's there, and he's ready to speak to Moses, and seeing that he has Moses' attention, he's ready to engage him further. Verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Now I want you to take note of the cause and effect here because verse 3 says that Moses observed, all right, and then stepped towards the bush. And as verse 4 says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, he called to him. And I just think this is a really special, beautiful moment. But truth be known, I don't know what kind of relationship Moses had with God up to this point. In the palace, in the wilderness, I don't know if he had ever heard God speak before or not, but now he will. And Moses isn't going to forget it because if you know the rest of the story, this particular encounter is going to radically change Moses' life. His relationship with the Lord is never going to be the same. Do you crave more of God in your life? Do you desire a more intimate 
relationship, time with him. Like I think we all go through times, don't we? We, we go through these times in our life, we, we, we want more, we, we want to be closer to God. When was, the, when was the last time you felt close to him? You know, what was that moment like for you? When, when was the last time that you could point to that you were able to say, you know, I, I, I'm hearing from God in a very special, unique way. I, I can think of at least a few very specific times in my life when I heard God very clearly. And those were very special moments, powerful moments, some too personal to share, but I won't, I won't forget them as, as his words provided things like wisdom for important decisions or, or, or maybe a word that changed my life or changed my attitude for the better or they encouraged me in difficult seasons or maybe just how his word encouraged me through some difficult times. Like when was the last time you heard his voice? How, how many of you are, are desperate for, for deeper personal times with God, like especially if you're going through the wilderness, especially if you're in pain or frustration or just feeling loss in your life right now. On the one hand, be encouraged, like because he does care. He loves to speak. He has the words that you and I need. He has the encouragement that you and I, that we're longing for, that we need in our lives. But here's the question we've got to wrestle with, and, and it's far too common, and it's not just your problem, like this is my problem too. I believe that God is ready and willing to speak into our lives and into our wilderness experiences. The challenge, though, is this. The challenge is, do we listen? Or are we even positioning ourselves to hear, or are we far too distracted? Are are we willing to slow down long enough to give God the time to say the things He desires to say. How many Indy 500 fans in the room? We've got Indy 500 fans, all right, some of you. How many of you went to the race last Sunday? All right, a few of you that skipped church to go to the Indy 500, right? I mean, just so that we can call you out, I'm just kidding. I've never been to the race, but uh, Jenny and I had a chance to go to Fast Friday a couple of weeks ago, and honestly, I'm not much of a racing fan, but I'll just say, like, you gotta, you gotta experience it at least once, right? I mean, because you can't describe, it's hard to describe for those of you that love it, 230 mile per hour, you know, on that straightaway in practice, and then just watching some of the race on TV last Sunday night, 30 plus cars traveling 200 miles per hour, in and out of traffic, through the curves, in and out of the pits, avoiding accidents like dropping your kid off at school in the morning, right, is challenging enough, you know, but to imagine putting yourself through something like this. Do we want more of God in our lives? Do you want more of Him? Like, are you, are you desperate for more of His presence, His words, whether you're in a wilderness or not? Just a few things that I'd just share, just maybe to kind of get you thinking this morning about your life and better positioning yourself to hear from Him, just as you think about your routine, your habits, the grind, the rhythms, like a few steps all of us might take to better position ourselves to hear from God. They're just, they're simple, they're this. The first one is just, what's it look like to slow down in your life? Uh, we, we, we all can learn from this. Like Moses, like we have, we have to slow down if we're going to be able to listen, but we don't. Like, we don't slow down. We're great at going fast all the time in Hamilton County. We go and we go. We rush from one calendar appointment to the next one, one ball game to the next performance. We go and we go all the time, and we never leave any room for God. Friends, God doesn't have a speaking problem. I've got a listening problem. You do. Like, we're not available. Our, Our schedule 
doesn't leave any room or margin from him. And so we could all learn to slow down. The, the second thing that we could do is just is to work on removing distractions in our lives. Like another reason that we don't hear from God is that we're far too distracted. We're distracted by our schedules. We're distracted by our responsibilities. We're distracted by our phones and social media. According to John Mark Comer, we can thank 2007 for these distractions. Now, what happened in 2007? Apple released the iPhone, but not just the iPhone. In 2007, things like Facebook and Twitter were really starting to roll. And as Comer points out in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which is a fantastic book that I would recommend to anyone that's interested in this subject, he says that the world changed forever. 2007, that we're more distracted now than we've ever been before. And it gets worse. And he cites a 2017 study that the average iPhone user touches his or her phone 2,617 times a day. I had to go into my office and double check that the second service because it just struck me when I read it in the first service. Did I write that down correctly? And unless it's mislabeled in the book, it's 2,617 times a day that each user on average is on their phone for two and a half hours a day. A similar study found that even just putting your phone in the same room that you are, even if it's turned off, will reduce someone's working memory or problem-solving skills. And just to take another jab at phones and social media, Sean Parker, the first president of Facebook, now calls himself a conscientious objector to social media. And in an interview, he said this, that God only knows what these phones and social media are doing to our kids' brains. The thought process that went into building these applications, like Facebook and others, was all about how do we consume as much of your time as possible and as much of your attention as we possibly can, and it's not just young people. It's impacting all of us. Our distractions and our phones and social media are the big culprit, are preventing us from being able to hear from God. We don't slow down long enough. We're too distracted to hear. We can't sit still. We're not willing to be bored anymore. We lack the ability to see God working in us and around us and to hear his voice and to see him in the mundane, everyday routines. We want to hear from God, but there's no way that I'm going to, you're going to slow down long enough to, to give him any time to say what he wants to say. And so the patterns we keep, the rhythms that we go through, our habits and distractions, again, they offer no opportunity of paying our attention. Contrast yours and mine day-to-day routines with Moses' encounter. Where was he? He was in solitude. He was in the wilderness, and he was brought there to a place where he could finally notice that the bush wasn't burning up. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, Paul, I get it. I want to hear from God. Yes, my life's too busy. Your life's too busy. All of these things distracting us. I don't really think we're supposed to become shepherds in the wilderness, are we? Like, I get it. And I don't have this figured out either. Like, my life gets very busy at times, and I get way too distracted by things like my phone and, and, and media. But I'm also working hard to slow down, to remove distractions, to just create space, to be quiet, to listen. And I've seen the benefits in my life. And I'd encourage you to think about ways, even this summer, that you might be able to slow down too because you're probably doing too much. And for some of you, you've got your kids and way too many things. 
And you and I, we all could benefit from some better boundaries with things like our phone and social media and Netflix and you name it because so many of us, we struggle hard with distractions and so we've got to be intentional and we've got to work hard to remove those and minimize those distractions. But I'd also like to get you thinking about this. Notice again how Moses took an intentional step towards the burning bush and it resulted in God speaking in a way that Moses' soul was waiting for. And I wonder if there's an action step in here for you. Maybe today, maybe even starting tomorrow. Because if we're going to slow down, if we're going to remove distractions, we need to do something active as well. And so my challenge to you today would be, is there something intentional? We can make a long list here, just a few thoughts. Get up an hour early in the morning and practice just being quiet, not being distracted by your phone. You can even hold a cup of coffee, but find a place outside on the porch Go for a walk, daily walks this summer, and don't take your phone, your earbuds, your pods, whatever with you. And instead of rushing in and out on Sunday mornings for worship, get here early, stay late, make an intentional effort to get some, to know some people around you. Get a, a daily Bible reading plan or a devotional and set, set aside time every day just to read your Bible. Like how quickly we forget that God has given us his word. Like do you wanna, you wanna hear from God each day? Read your Bible, like study your Bible. Get in a group with other people who are also going through similar things and learn and study and read from the word of God together. Practice praying. I'll, I'll use a journal sometimes. It just slows me down enough to just write out my prayers and to feel like I'm having this conversation with God. And God has really been using that, especially over the last year of my life as I've realized some challenges of my own with things like anxiety. And I don't know about you, but here's when I know that I'm really anxious, when it wakes me up at night. Now, usually when I wake up at night, it's because I have to go to the bathroom because I'm 47, so I gotta get up to do that at least once a night. But, but any, are any of you like this? You ever have one of these moments, especially if you got a lot going on, like you're just going in to use the restroom and you gotta start telling yourself, don't think, don't think, don't think, don't think, don't think, don't think, right? And then the next thing you know, you're on flat on your back looking at the ceiling thinking, I don't even want to be awake right now. I don't want to be thinking about these things. I don't wanna think about work. I don't wanna think about life or whatever. I had a wise friend share with me one time. He says, Paul, when you're, when you're laying awake at night, why not talk to God? And so I'm trying to do better at that. And sometimes I hear from him with a word. Other times I'll recall a, a scripture passage that maybe I've been reading and meditating on and it says just what I need. And sometimes, you know what? Sometimes I fall asleep talking to God. And the next thing you know, it's morning. And I'll just tell you, those are always very special moments for me as I remember how kind he is and how gracious he is to give me sleep when he knows that I need it. Is there something you need to do? Is there an intentional step you might put into place in your life to better position yourself to hear from the God who loves you? I like these words from Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, where we read, The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you, in his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. And let God speak, to those, speak those words into your life today, that he is a God who is with us, he loves us, he takes great delight in you. And for those of you that are in a wilderness of your own today, like be encouraged.
as you're reminded, just as Moses was, that you're not alone, that he, that God may be quiet, that it may seem like he's not working right now or that he's absent, but he is with us and that he loves us and he sees your pain and he sees your hurt and the questions and these things matter to him and he's not finished with us yet. You, know, you can read the continuation of this encounter between Moses and God, but we'll just skip ahead to verse 7 because God's going to speak to Moses very personally. And I think part of what God was doing in Moses' life these 40 years was working through some of the pain that Moses experienced as he witnessed the, the harshness that these Hebrew people were enduring. And so look at how special God's words are to Moses. The Lord said to him, Moses, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. You're not the only one. He says, I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering. And so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land and into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And then this interesting dialogue is going to take place between Moses and God as Moses realizes, oh, wait, you're going to call me. God, you're speaking to me. God, you know my heart. Oh, he knows my pain. He knows your pain. He has the comfort we need. He has the strength that we need. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take just a couple of minutes right now and just be quiet before the Lord. This time is for you, and uh, maybe you know what you need to do with this time, but if not, let me just encourage you to think about one or both of these things. The, the first thing would be just this. Like, what's the next step for you? What's an intentional move? Because maybe you would say, you know what? I want to hear more from God. I want to position myself to better hear from Him. Is there something He might be saying to you even right now? something you can incorporate into your life. But don't miss this. Pray and tell God, I want more of you. I want more of you in my life. I, I want to hear from you in deeper ways. This time is yours. Let's take a couple of minutes and then I'll pray with us before we sing. Father in heaven, we find a lot of comfort in knowing that you know every person in this room, every story, all of the circumstances. You've heard every prayer we've ever prayed, every tear that's been shed you've seen. You know the deepest desires of our heart and you love us like crazy. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for hearing our prayers. And I pray that you would answer the prayers of those today who are saying, I want more. Have your way in us and in our lives. Teach us to be people who slow down, 
minimize distractions and find ways every day of coming closer to you. And thank you for your grace because I'll mess up again tomorrow and I'll get distracted. But we thank you that you are always there. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So again, as I said, I'm not a big sticker guy. And maybe you aren't either. But maybe you pick one up on the way out today. And you put it somewhere this week that when you look at it, it just reminds you, he loves me. He wants to be with me. And I want to make more and more room for him. You know, Moses spent a lot of time in the wilderness these 40 years so that God could prepare him for the next 40 of leading his people through. But let's not forget that Jesus went through at least two wildernesses of his own, one immediately after his baptism, but an even more difficult wilderness when he went to the cross on our behalf where he was rejected, he suffered the worst, and he uttered those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can we even begin to comprehend what God accomplished for us through Jesus, that Jesus paid a penalty that we deserve, that he provided a way to salvation that we could never accomplish on our own, and that by his death and resurrection, Jesus opened a door for us so that any of us can go directly to God. You and I can have a relationship with him thanks to the wilderness that Jesus endured on our behalf. And that's love. And that's love that can change us and change anything.